when you're on when you're on the, the stuff when um, you are taking hey, yeah, that you, you've been smoking that weed again <laughs> eat a bit, a bit of weed I could care less interesting yeah Everybody, welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer. It's episode 171. This is Jeff. I am, I'm going crazy. Zach? It's hard to know, but I I don't, what the hell? Uh, Kermit the Frog or Jordan Peterson? I don't know. Andy? Whiskey. Uh, Scott, do we have time for you? I'm here, guys. All right, that is fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you did hear the impersonation of the Jordan Peterson, a.k.a. Kermit the Frog. From I wanted to come out of the gate strong as yeah. Jordan, knowing without question, unequivocally, I have the third best Jordan Peterson impression of the four of us in here. Okay. I guarantee it. And <laughs> before the night's done, you, the listener, will, I'm sure... Have a treat. I don't know. Maybe the three Jordans can you know, can Zach, conspire together. I, I, Zach, you really? I don't know. I don't got it. <laughs> it takes a while I'm to fourth. get into it. I'm it, fourth. It takes a while. You have to like. I'm currently in fourth place. I hope you never gonna, stop trying. You know, <laughs> I haven't been practicing in a long time. My well, Jordan's I'm, good I'm to be try. rusty. <laughs> it's going to be rusty. First Scott, Miss Piggy. Real quick, as oh, that was Miss Piggy. Maybe we talk real quickly about what we're drinking. There is a can of Chapman, whatever that is, from Chapman Brewing Company. Which no, the can. Good. Yep. Will you open that, and I'll take a portion of that. I, I won't take the whole thing. I just would like to pair it with. Um, what am yeah. I drinking? What was the first thing we poured? We poured four roses. This is another uh, Bros Bibles and Bourbon. So yep. we had four roses. Although I have the Maker's Mark Forty Six. Just a little taste at the beginning of the show. Yes, everybody out there, if you're listening, uh, you know, get your glasses, get your ice, pour a little Bros Bibles and bourbon, or grab a beer. And this is the Chapman Opt Outside West Coast IPA. Oh, we, we talked this, about it last week. We had this last week. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Here we go. I'll give you that. Hand oh, me one of those was, glasses over there, good. Scotty. So I, I won't uh, talk about this one because you can go back to the last episode. It was good though. Yeah, you don't get any feedback from Zach tonight. It was delicious. The Four Roses is delicious as well. Although you're giving feedback. And then and later um, on, we'll have a couple more. Uh, maybe Makers 46 and uh, see you know see where the night goes. No, we have the other special beers. Oh, oh yes. Mm. Mm. We can't say their name they're, yet. They're a mystery right now. Eyeballing it to see if we're being very fair here. <laughs> this one goes to. And the we house. did prep. That's we, good pod. We did That's... prep prior. Andy wasn't a part of it. We had Udu Udu from Docent local brewery here, mm. and um, it's good. Yeah, it's all right. It's good. It's seven point two. Not... It's, it's. But you guys went to Docent without me. No, we went yeah. to Tony Pepperonis. Oh, and they had Docent there. They did. Oh, you went to Tony Pepperonis without me. Uh, you were invited. No, I wasn't. You were working too hard, I guess. When you was did I not invited? look at your messages. Yeah, we sent out a signal. Literally a the signal. The bad signal <laughs> went out. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sad that I missed it. That's okay. You were spending time with your kid, and we weren't, so <laughs> <laughs> you're a better father. That's good. And Scott's a father, uh, but he doesn't know who he's a father of. Oh you spent some time overseas <laughs> in the Army, and uh, you never know. I'm at least nine months away from being a father. <laughs> it's actually 10 it's odd but continue I stand corrected alright alright should we do some things 
Jeff has slow sperm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. Like 38, 39 weeks is like a norm. And if anybody can do math, uh, nine months times four is 36. So most women are having birth 38, 39, 40 weeks, maybe even more. That's 10 months. Even some men are having that. That's true. Okay. I'm not touching that. Nope. I'm not touching man either. A man either. Yeah. That's not what I said. I'll touch a man. Okay, guys. Remember you said you kicked me in the balls earlier? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. I believe I, know, I, said, I know the Olympics. I believe are on, I said but you guys don't need to go at it now. Oh, punch me in the balls! Who's going to get the gold medal for whatever? <laughs> not the U.S. Dear not listener. the U.S. women's soccer team. <laughs> Dear oh, they lose again. They, they're yeah. Well, they lost to Sweden. Yeah, that was a beatdown. Yeah. Anyway, go. Well. That all, all that good pot aside, you guys want to uh, get in some things? Maybe we're going to, we might uh, make somebody's faith stronger. We might destroy somebody's faith tonight. Who knows? Everybody get excited. God only knows. Mm, does he? Go. <laughs> I'm getting warmed Does that call? Up. Okay. Okay. That was a little bit of a... It's hard to know how you might feel. <laughs> As long that's as you say it's good. hard to know, yeah. that's all you have to do. Start all of your Jordan Peterson uh, quotes. With, <laughs> it's hard to know. <laughs> all right, let's get this party started, Zach. You start this party. I was listening to, um, well, the, the name of the episode is The Immortality Key, Psychedelics and the Ancient Age. Jordan Peterson. From Jordan Peterson's podcast. The title intrigued me. I am interested in um, drugs and psychedelics personally. Well, I'm just interested in interesting things. And... You know, is it a mystery to you? There is some research going on with psychedelics in the treatment of PTSD, depression, anxiety, and whatnot that is showing great promise. Um, and not even, you know, psychedelics or not, there's microdosing and whatnot, uh, where you don't have to be tripping balls, as the kids say. And um, there's some interesting, very interesting research around psychedelics. And then, so when they talk about psychedelics related to the ancient age, particularly around the early church. I don't know. It strikes my fancy. I'm excited. You passed it on to all of us. And I mean, I pulled a couple clips. We were very excited. And this, these uh, clips contain uh, Brian Murrah rescue. I believe that's correct. And professor Carl Ruck. Um, and uh, I got, well, I'll pull up my notes. Brian Marescu uh, wrote The Immortality Key, The Secret History of the Religion with No Name. And he's talking with Jordan Peterson about the idea that hallucinogens may have been a part of early Christianity. Um, so interesting conversations. Got a couple clips. But ultimately, the question that comes to my mind, and maybe you guys, let me plant the seed inside of you, as it were. Like a mystery? or Like a 10-month seed? It's mysterious. Like a mushroom? Uh, to what degree would your understanding of your faith? <laughs> you guys are so dumb. I tried to roll through. <laughs> what? What? I was so <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm like Jimmy Fallon over here. You know, I just can't. Can't hold back. That's ruining the sketch every time. That's why I hated Jimmy on SNL. Continue. That's actual good pod, Scott. Don't ever apologize for that. Um, where was I? Um, the thought of what would have to change your current faith structure, how much of it would have to shift 
how much of it is based on what you know now? Like to what degree is your faith certain? Let's just say for some, for all of us, there's a certain degree in what we think is true about the Bible or what we believe the Bible has to say and that can inform our faith. Actually, maybe not so much for Jeff. I know Jeff is, you're kind of an experienced guy who likes the Bible and wants to get more in it, but maybe just put it in the back of your mind. Like what would, how much of your faith is based on your current understanding of the Bible? And if things were shown to be different than we know now, maybe through some of this conversation, would that change? I don't know. Maybe I could be an atheist by the end of this podcast. Let's get it going. God willing. <laughs> really? I don't know. It just seemed like something I would Whoa, say. that's a crazy... <laughs> Scott just threw up on himself. Yeah, <laughs> um, jokes, guys. I'm just imagining jokes. the bumper sticker. God wants you to be an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> Take a leap of yeah. faith and be an atheist. God, God was not willing that any should... Wait a minute. Not be an atheist. How's that even possible? Oh, it sounds awfully universalistic, Scott. Careful. <laughs> hey, actually, everybody, everybody stay with us. Stay no, we, with we, us. No, we are. Actually, the God wants you to be an atheist is... Wait, I don't of, mean you guys. I mean people <laughs> listening. No, I know. I know. I know. There's I'm no here. guarantee that it'll get better, but just stay with us. Right. The God wants you to be an atheist bumper sticker is actually pretty profound because I can think of a lot of uh, well-known Christian leaders that um, the way they exercise their faith, I could imagine God being like, dude, just give up. Just be be an atheist. It would be better. It'd can be better for the kingdom if you would just stop. tell them you're on my team? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a version of that. Yeah, like um, Richard Rohr. <laughs> That's one. This is where Scott mind. names yeah. all of my heroes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the hipster dude in the worst skinny jeans? Uh, Iron Man? You're looking for Rob Bell. Rob Bell. Yeah, I put him on the list. Okay, go ahead. Um, <laughs> now, this was actually the fourth clip in in the order that I took them down chronologically, but I'm going to play it first because it uh, will be, it'll be apparent. And I think it kind of sets up where this Brian guy is going um, in a way that, you know, the first few clips are, they get to the deep stuff quick and- they kind of missed the introduction yeah. a little bit, partly because Jordan Peterson is so gosh darn curious. Yeah. And, and Brian, he has a... I mean, I don't think yeah, that ahead. the religion Sorry. begins as a mushroom cult, for example. I'm not sure if there were psychedelics at the Last Supper. I, th- I think the, the, the hypothesis I'm pursuing is whether or not there could have been, you know, some communities of early Greek-speaking Christians what who at hell? some place in the ancient Mediterranean would have availed themselves of some kind of mind-altering sacrament. Um, you know, the, 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 the prevalence of that kind of tradition, we simply don't know. At the end of the book, I say, it's probably not a majority. Um, there were other things that led to the, the rise and success of Christianity. Uh, it's, it's often distinguished from its pagan predecessors by this, this sense of community and love and charity um, that the ancient sources talk about. But, but clearly, there, there was something else. Um, that was inspiring people to abandon the faith of their ancestors, perfectly good religion, like Eleusis, by the way, which survives all the way through the early Christian period. Uh, The Mysteries of Dionysus, a perfectly good religion to the Greek speakers of Greece and elsewhere, that survives before, during, and after the life of Jesus. So, I think for at least some of these communities, the way the gospel was communicated to them in the Greek language may have reminded them of some of these mystery rites, some of these pagan rituals. So, 
anything pop up? Like the idea that the idea that uh, potentially there was crossover as pagans began to be converted, like maybe some of what they were used to. I don't know. Maybe I should just go on to the, to the first clip, but any, any initial the only thoughts? Thing I, one thing I find fascinating about the clip, and I have to re- remember that the audience hasn't heard this and the whole, you know, everything uh, as a whole, but um, the idea that people were possibly taking uh, hallucinogens and this somehow catapulted them or was a catalyst for them moving into Christianity. Or what if, what if people are taking, what if hallucinogenic plants, which doesn't necessarily mean you're blasting in outer space, like some of the depictions nowadays of DMT and ayahuasca, but maybe it's like a, uh, a part of your religious practice, part of your sacraments, if you will, and you're a pagan, and then you get this Jesus guy comes on the scene. And so part of the way you practice your religion involves these things. And then maybe it's also inspirational as you start to become a Jesus follower. Like there, there could have been this transition period of, of that people, people using not necessarily like, Oh, I took a hallucinogen and now I, I know Jesus but it was a more human way of like inspiration, more like subtle. I guess we'd have to ask like switch flippy. Yeah. Like what inspiration of, of what? And, and maybe if, if uh, I'm, cause I'm thinking more of revelation, receiving revelation after taking a hallucinogen. But one of the, um, one of the the things that about that, that clip um, that, that, that uh, was his name, Brian. Um, He, he, is very vague about the time frame of the it's very vague about the time frame of the groups that might have been partaking in hallucinogens and he doesn't say or even if they were or even if they were cuz cuz <laughs> these are his words I'm pursuing whether or not there could have been some communities of early greek speaking christians who at some place in the ancient mediterranean would have availed themselves of some kind of mind altering sacrament He's not making the claim that they took hallucinogens with Jesus. Right. And he's and in this whole discussion with, with Jordan Peterson, he doesn't make the claim that the apostles took hallucinogens. Although some do. Like that kind of te- that clip teased that he is yeah. among some scholars. So, he has a moderate view that hallucinogens could have been involved with some groups of early Christians yeah. in how they practice their worship. But some of his colleagues are like, nope, it was at the Last Supper. Like the body of Christ was yeah. taking, and he makes that. He makes the, right. Sorry, right, right before, right before that, that, that clip. He says, uh, he says, that's why I'm trying to figure. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I think Allegro, an Allegro who he wrote a book in the 70s, um, the Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, and he says of he says of Allegro that Allegro was on the extreme end of the spectrum of the psych. Uh, the psychedelic hypothesis. So they, this guy Allegra would have made more concrete claims, um, but but Brian uh, he doesn't he doesn't make concrete claims, and he doesn't associate it with the the Last Supper, for example, that Allegra might have associated it with. I feel yeah. like we're arguing we're arguing against um, statements that have not yet been played, and so this might be tough for the listener. 
I don't know how you. Well, have if your... they're high, it won't <laughs> be a problem. <laughs> I guess let's, so. Yeah, right. So maybe we should move on. Let's just let's, I'll go to the first one. We'll try to respond to them in order because because I think the challenge is a lot of us have heard bits and pieces or right. enough of it. So, do you like work at a company and you like communicate well to people, Andy, or uh, something? Let me tell you about the things you don't know. Yeah, yeah well, it's so interesting. Oh. That... <laughs> Real quick, sorry. The uh, this this first one. Which was Jordan Peterson's voice. I know. I know. This one, he's asking, did did you encounter resistance in your? He went to the Vatican. He spoke to a lot of Christians and historians. So so the the author Brian goes to the Vatican, and why is he going to the Vatican to to investigate his theory on hallucinogens in the early church, and not just the early church, but also ancient Greeks around that time. And and the Vatican owns a lot of ancient texts that can't be found anywhere else. Yeah. And the ancient Greeks, like, I know I read the Da Vinci code. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great documentary. I mean, I saw the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, But like the ancient Greek culture around the time of Christ, it's like it, that, that was rich. Like a lot of people around that. Correct me, Scott is like the, the Greek culture, Hellenistic Jews, like that was kind of the bedrock Around the time of Christ, correct? Um, well, yeah. So it yeah. would have been very familiar. Like it wouldn't be like, oh, I became a Christian and I know nothing of Greek culture and, and myths. It would have been like they would have been steeped in that, right? Yeah, Alexander the Great conquered much of much of the the known world at that time, which included um, which included Jerusalem, and then then the Romans came in and conquered after Alexander the Great. But Alexander the Great was was a Greek, and so the Greek language spread from there. Um, and then when the Romans took over, Greek was still was still the uh, language of commerce. So everyone knew Greek, but then they also knew their native language. And so, so yeah, the, the Greek. This is yeah. Judge, Judge Andy, would you uh, would you please um, tell the witness to answer yes or no to the question? <laughs> Scott, it's a yes or no question. Yeah, it was. Well, did you I'm, or I, did you? Not? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm just trying to make the distinction between. <laughs> I like it, Scott. Um, it, it's it's yeah. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily the Greek. Uh, pagan religions, but it was the culture was there. But, but the Greek, the Greek culture was there because it's a backdrop because the Greeks conquered the region, conquered many of the, of that 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 region. Yeah, and so yeah, it, there, a lot there was us, a lot of Greek a lot culture. of us Christians, and we're yeah. all guilty of it to certain degrees. We read the read our Bibles and read the New Testament, and we kind of like will put ourselves and our own cultural narrative back onto them. Speak and, for yourself, and uh, and I mean. That's that's a mistake. Well, yeah, but it's natural. I think you mean and, they them? Yeah. yeah, and and then the Romans and the the Romans Hee-haw. when they conquered an area, they didn't necessarily destroy the culture of that area. They tried to incorporate that culture into Roman culture because it would be a smooth transition. Yeah, that's yeah. Part of that's why, like, yeah. if you squint, it's really hard to tell the difference between Greek and Roman architecture. Like, it's very very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Similar yeah. penis sizes and everything. That's what Andy was getting at. <laughs> The sculptures of the genitals are nearly identical. What? Why? Why? What, well, what, the, what the hell? It's hard to know. <laughs> you tried you to figure it out. You didn't need a lot of resistance to what you were doing because you'd think that... Now, is that because people didn't understand what you're doing or did they understand and let you anyways? Because it's not that obvious that the Vatican would be that thrilled with the proposition that the original sacraments of Christianity were the most potent hallucinogens that we know. And it isn't obvious. And what sort of response have you got from from classically religious people, traditionally religious people, Christian people, more most particularly, as a consequence of laying out the claims that you've made? 
This is a longish clip. It's like two and a half minutes. So stop me anytime you something comes up for you, I, gentlemen. I would stop right there. And, okay. And so I, so I, what Jordan Peterson just said there: the original sacraments of Christianity being laced with with hallucinogenics, and just and just what we pointed out earlier, earlier. is that that was that's not the that's not what this guy's trying to make the case for. Mm. Although some in his can't in his ballpark do make his, that case. his predecessors, You're right? Allegro yeah. and, and and then Ruck, who who um, we have one clip from Ruck yeah. if we get to it later. Who's, who's the second half of this <laughs> Jordan Peterson interview? Good Ruck. Uh, yeah, but and, and so just to make that distinction, Jordan Peterson's Jordan Peterson says the original sacraments, but that's not this guy's. That's not this guy's contention. By the way, can we, one more time, just can we summarize his contentions? Because he just he in the previous clip, he's kind of he was a little bit wishy washy. So is there is there a little breakdown that you can give us, Zach? Which is like here's what he's saying. Here's what he's presupposing. That hallucinogens were a part of early Christianity in ways that we ha- have, until fairly recently, not really explored. Okay. All right. So when he says your claims, that's what he's basically And some to. people in that camp, a lot of people that think Jesus didn't actually exist, like the, it's a very minority will, will, will think that basically the earlier, early practitioners, the sacraments were hallucinogens he is very moderate and he's actually we'll get to a clip where he talks about his own faith so yeah and and that's what i read earlier is that he's saying the pagan religion the ancient pagan religions they practiced hallucinogens but then he says the the hypothesis i'm pursuing is whether or not there could there could have been some communities in early greek in early greek speaking christians who at some place in the ancient mediterranean would have availed themselves of some kind of mind-altering sacrament. He okay. says that's the that's okay. the hypothesis he's pursuing. Yeah. All right, that doesn't actually feel that controversial to me. It, but that's why I want to point out because when Jordan Peterson's the original sacrament was that's laced, different. so we, we just got to make and he doesn't sure, actually yeah. refute Jordan or or correct him on right. that. But also, if you think it, there's a, several stories that come to mind, and I, I have I can read part of it in a little bit, but Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel, like some of the visions, some of the prophets had or the burning bush um, or take any crazy vision experience from the Bible. And there's a bunch of them. It's not hard to imagine. Like, is it, is it possible? We tend to look at these things, at least I'll speak for myself. I have tended to look at these stories as in my traditional faith of yore, it was like, well, God gave that to him, like direct, like God gave him that vision. And now it's like, is it possible that with the help of like fasting for a long time, you can have hallucinations? Prophets would go out on their own. They were kind of weird people, not often accepted from where they were from. Um, and they were kind of weird dudes and they would they would speak what they thought God was telling people. And oftentimes it was really bizarre. And is it possible that fasting affected the way they were thinking, how they thought about what God wanted? Is it possible that there were other substances involved? Like it's a possibility. So locusts and honey, a <laughs> deadly combination. Yeah. So I, I guess a, cu- a couple of things on that. Um, so if, if this guy's making the claim that all the pagan, re- not all, but a lot of the pagan religions, the ancient pagan religions, um, practiced uh, uh, hallucinogens, um, and that's how they received revelation of a deity or some religious experience. Uh, the the prophets in the Old Testament 
they always went against the other surrounding religions, those ancient pagan religions. Mm-hmm. If they were engaged in the same practices, um, they would at, at least have had uh, different experiences, even if they were using the same hallucinogens. They would. They still had different revelations that they received, uh, so that would still uh, discount those pagan religions. But it, but it would seem odd that they were engaged in the same relevatory practices, but then they come to different conclusions. But then we have uh, Jesus who affirms the Old Testament. He affirms Moses and the burning the burning bush and whatnot. Um, and Jesus doesn't make mention of I, engaging. I got you. You're in, trying to do a lot right now. I know, but but you made you mean you made you made a specific claim, and okay. and I'm just. I didn't trying, make a claim. I just was raising the possibility. Right, and I'm saying that that's it's it's not possible. So okay, <laughs> there you go. That works. Um, it's been somewhat surprising, to be totally honest, um, in, in that there there's been a generally good reception amongst the Catholics and the Orthodox and the Protestants with whom I talk, and and I think if you take a step back and just think about it. Um, you know, I'm not impugning anybody today. This is all ancient history. Um, a lot of it has been gone over well before me. I mean, just, just the notion mm-hmm. of, of other forms of Christianity, Gnosticism, for example, uh, the, those 52 books of the Nag Hammadi corpus that were discovered in 1945. We've been talking and writing about them for, for decades. So, I mean, it's known that there were other versions of the faith out there, you know, throwing a psychedelic twist in there is somewhat controversial, but, you know, that would presuppose that Christianity and and psychedelics are somehow mutually exclusive. And I'm not sure that they are. I mean, even today, if you look you at the native... You wouldn't be so con- convinced of that if you read the book of Revelation, which looks for all <laughs> intents and purposes like, like the account of a hallucinogenic experience. Um, and so does some of the language in the Gospel of John, or or so does you know uh, the Mark, for example, in four eleven might not be psychedelics when, but when Jesus is asked why he speaks in parables, you know why why talk about the mustard seed and the prodigal son? Why not speak plainly to people? The response from Jesus is that he's trying to relay a mysterion, and that's the Greek word for mystery, the very same mystery as you would use in the mysteries of Eleusis, for example, or the mysteries of Dionysus. It's that word which, if you look at the, uh, the, the Thayer Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, um, published in the 19th century, they will define that mousterion in Mark as a religious secret, you know, confided only to the initiated, not to be communicated by them to ordinary mortals. I mean, so the idea that Christianity is born with secrets, right? Uh, potentially secret rituals, I think has been known for well, for, for some time. I think that uh, secrets and secret wit- rituals are maybe maybe that's a a quick and big jump to make. Yeah, it's different than when he mentions Jesus being cryptic, and they, he does explicitly say, like I, you know, let those who have ears hear. There there is like an intentional. I am doing parables so that it's not clear to everybody. I don't think mysteries... Which is different than like jumping to what you were saying. And mysteries don't equal secrets. Like those, are, those shouldn't be conflated. Right. They, they, Jesus knew... It's what, not Victoria's yeah. mysteries. I mean, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, so Jesus wasn't revealing everything at the time, but he does reveal the things that he said in parables. He, re- he reveals that later on. So, it, I mean, that being the example is like they, the apostles didn't need to take hallucinogens 
to uh, know what Jesus was talking about because Jesus explained it to him. And then at one part it says that after he was res- he was raised from the dead, then they understood the parable that he spoke. I don't uh, think he made that uh, argument yet, before. though, right? He didn't make the argument that the apostles were taking hallucinogens. Well, he's saying he's saying he, he's referring to Jesus, and he's saying he says. Um, the very same mystery. Get on that mic. Yeah, he said the very. He said um, he, he uses the word mysterion, which you would see in the mysteries of Eleusis, which is one of those pagan religions, these ancient pagan religions. And he says he said the very same mystery as you would use in the mysteries of Eleusis. It's like, what do you mean the very same mystery? You mean the very same Greek word that's used? Or are you talking about the very same types of yeah. secrets and how you reveal those oh. secrets or how how those, those secrets are revealed to you? Yeah, yeah like, which is why I felt like it was a jump to go from mystery to secrets to secret rituals. Yes, but definitely. Because that feels very clandestine, and, right? And when, when Jesus talks in parables... I'm intrigued. It, it's... it's it's a mystery. Like it's that a, word. It is a mystery at the at the time, but Jesus reveals what the meaning is, and there's no reference in the Bible to partaking in some sort of hallucinogen to be able to understand yeah. what Jesus what meant by the parable. Right, right. Um, also, I think Jordan Peterson is a little bit. Um, he he reveals a little bit of his reading of Revelation as being a little bit. Uh, on the nose and just literalist. Like if you just read the images and you don't have a scholarly background in apocalyptic literature, which Jordan doesn't, although, you know, I know he really enjoys searching out the Bible and and the deeper meaning. But if you read revelation and it it does look like a trip, like there are is imagery there that is super trippy. um, But there's a lot of, there's a lot of scholarship that kind of can break down I'm not talking about like Bible code stuff and like predicting our future and when Christ will return, but I'm talking about like what the reader then would have looked at those symbols in that book and deciphered. And that seems to be like way over where Jordan Peterson was at. Yeah. And, and a lot of what's in Revelation is a reference to uh, Old Testament prophets. Uh, so it, it I mean, if the claim is hallucinogens are being used to have these visions, which the Old Testament prophets had visions, and the and, well, and, th- that's and, not the claim they're making. I want. I, wanna, I, I mentioned yeah. that as speculation, as like a possibility, but that's not what they're making. So I, I don't want to get, get tripped up. Um, I'm not disagreeing with you, but they they're not. These two individuals aren't making that claim. I want. Yeah, I want to hear the. Okay. Uh, what, I want to hear their claim. Well, let's keep digging. Maybe we'll find nothing. Maybe we'll find gold. Maybe that gold will be... Mystery. Laced with hallucinogens. <laughs> and and what, did, uh, what did Brian discover in his research? Okay, so let's, let's, go to, let's go to the Vatican. What did you do there in Rome? And what did you discover? What did you discover? It's well, hard I discovered to know. a version of the faith, like we've been talking about, that uh, I, didn't, I didn't hear about in my 13 years of Catholic school. Um, Currently, Andy's the leader in the clubhouse on the impression. And I was investigating this <laughs> notion of continuity, pagan Ooh. continuity. The, it's hard the, to the know idea that the if lead. there were these psychedelic rituals in antiquity, in pagan antiquity, did some of that somehow make its way into the Christian world? And um, so I went, I went spelunking. I went literally under the Vatican um, into the necropolis atop which it sits and went to Mausoleum M inside the Vatican. And right there... Um, you know, under the the cathedral, you will see the vines of Di- Real quick, um, I often refer to our house as the Macropolis. Continue. Well played. 
Well played. Nice history story. Um, and I was investigating this notion of continuity, pagan world. And Sorry, went back. Um, so I went, I went spelunking. I went literally under the Vatican um, into the necropolis atop which it sits and went to Mausoleum M inside the Vatican. And right there, um, you know, under the, the cathedral, you will see the vines of Dionysus painted onto uh, this, this mosaic. Could be one of the earliest Christian mosaics that we have, as a matter of fact, in this tomb. And art historians point out that clearly these are the vines of Dionysus that have been co-opted as the vines of Christianity. I mean, in John's gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the true vine. I mean, so it's, it's a very kind of just silly example of how, you know, the, the edifice of the church is, in some sense, is literally built on top of these pagan roots. And if you go to, you know, other catacombs around the city, under the streets of Rome, you will find frescoes from the 3rd and 4th century. And in these frescoes, you will see women consecrating what looks like wine in what looks like some kind of version of a proto-mass or a proto-Eucharistic meal. Um, the Vatican itself identifies these women as, you know, participating in a Eucharistic vigil, uh, not what you often hear about. Um, next to one of these women consecrating wine, you'll see the Greek witch Circe, um, who, if if anything, is known for her pharmacological expertise, going as far back as Homer. So it's difficult to explain these images, it's these very Greek images <laughs> that somehow reference pharmacology, somehow reference the, the role of women in the birth and development of the church. Um, it's not a Christianity that's often talked about. So, since he, he mentioned since Dionysus... Explicitly. Explicitly he mentioned it. You're holding the bottle. Oh, schnitz. Oh, yeah, you can't read here. I, <laughs> I forgot. I know it's super funkadelic, <laughs> but I can't do the fine print. All right, Dionysus Brewery makes another showing two episodes in a row. Super funkadelic goes a style ale with Masamoto nectarines. Ooh. Now, I just wanted to say... In my defense, Andy has glasses on, so he can't read for shit either without those things. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I told you, I can't read. You know what I thought of is the creation, the creation myth came to mind. The Genesis creation versus Enuma Elish, which is the Babylonian creation myth. Like, the, when I heard the... The vine, what's the vine of? Dionysus the vine. Vi- the Dionysus vine. Wow. Wow. This one's sour. His sours are puckered. Wow. They have the Dionysus vine and Jesus, let's just assume that Jesus is like, I am the true vine. Like this thing, I just imagine Jesus being like, this thing you guys talk about, this wine God, uh, I'm, I am the true representation. I'm like the... F- fullest representation of that whatever that means to you that that brings you life like i am the real deal that's just like a substitute and it brought to mind like um i don't know what what do you guys think about that the first thing that struck me was like one of the earliest well well, that was first or second century or third no no it was third or fourth century right? right christianity but one of the earliest like what 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 but is Christian the, depictions? The, the depictions that he was describing. Is, I think it was like wall. third or fourth century. Is right? that what he says yes. in the catacomb? Okay. Well, the first thing that popped into my head was it was kind of related to what you were saying, Scott, which is the the culture that had existed previously had some bleed over into into affecting those early Christians because it was just around them all the time, and um, early hymns in like the 18th century 
were often just new words put to popular songs like amazing grace for example that melody was from a non uh or from a secular uh song that was just sung around in those days yeah and they reworded it and i almost wonder if like this depiction of art isn't about like it starts feeling a little da vinci codish right now when he's like and then if you take those super secret and the super mm-hmm. secret and and it was really yeah. meaning this when it meant this and this and this like yeah. or this is a part of baked in culture that they were just trying to like do the the mental math of translating into understanding what christianity might be and these were things that were all around them right and i i think well what what why it brought up the creation myths is like the Genesis narrative of the way the world is creative created is very similar to the Babylonian myth, which came before it. And if, if that stuff, if that story was compiled by editors around when they were in exile in Babylonia or under the Babylonians, um, it w- it would make sense. It could be. It's almost like a propaganda document. Like this, uh, we're incorporating elements of the surrounding culture, but no, our God is not like that. God doesn't create with chaos. He creates out of the chaos. Like there's like little shifts of they borrow things, but but it's different and it's it's still set apart. And I don't think that should be weird. I remember my my childhood. I remember when. I remember leaders were making the claim that like, oh, well, the Genesis one came first and like scholarship is kind of like blown out of the water. The Babylonian one was first and that shouldn't be a problem. You can still, the Bible is still different. It's still set apart from its culture, but the people at the time were under the Babylonians and it was basically kind of like a propaganda away from the Babylonian creation myth and saying, hey, the God, the God we're under is different. So that so that you're saying that the Christians probably borrowed an image of Dionysus in the vine, knowing that Jesus said, "I'm the true vine," but that doesn't necessarily mean that they participated in hallucinogenics. It could be both, but yeah, it's possible that there was there there were like if you're talking to a, if you're talking to somebody now about Jesus, depending on who you're talking to, Scott, you're gonna frame your pitch for lack of a better term, if you're just mm-hmm. saying what Jesus means to you and you're sharing your faith, depending on who you're talking to, I would hope you're going to do it differently based on yeah. w- what you know about them in a way that will hit them differently. If you just mm-hmm. do like, well, Paul did this in the, in the new Testament, but if you, if even today, if you go to certain Muslim countries and you want to be a missionary, if, if your average Christian on the street here, just going telling them that Jesus loved them and died for their sins. You're going to have a problem. You have to do pre-evangelism, I think is what they call it. Well, we're all pre-evangelists, right? No. I think technically, like if you're not doing evangelism, it's possible that you're pre-evangelist. Maybe I'm post. <laughs> I might be. <laughs> no, pre-evangelism, it's just, this is what you're saying. It's like, you, you have to, you have to d- define words before you, you use them, especially if they have a specific meaning. And if the if the certain meetings in a certain culture, you're you're gonna adapt how you evangelize to people if you expect to be connecting with people. Yeah, and, and I think I think that the the Jesus being the true vine, I think there's a Old Testament reference to that. So I mean if if the the prophet of the Old Testament that 
talked about Jesus being the cultivator of his of his uh, vineyard. Um, if they were drawing from from uh, Dionysus, then sure, um, okay. But I, I think that comes from uh, an Old Testament reference. Um, but if are some, you worried? Like, uh, but if something's in the well, I'm just no. I mean, if we're if we're, we're analyzing the references that this guy is, is putting forth, um, if something is in the Vatican, um, I, I don't think we we take that as oh, this is this is what Jesus meant. Because uh, the Vatican gets a lot of things wrong from, especially a Protestant perspective, um, or it's just a historical artifact that they're just hanging on to. And again, like, yeah, how how prevalent was drawing vines in the style of Dionysus vines? Like, how how often yeah. did that happen? There's some sick vines. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the idea of yeah. dim vines. seeing women in uh, depicted in a picture with wine and um, making it look like they. I mean, you could spin it however you want. You can look at a picture and see women with wine and bread and think that there's some type of ritual ceremony going on. Or you could be yeah. like, oh, it's 2021 and the ladies are getting together, you know, having yeah. a, a, a nice night. Yeah. The ancient aliens, they, they, they look at uh, uh, Egyptian hieroglyphs and they go, oh, that looks like a helicopter. Um, oh, maybe maybe the ancient, you know, alien technology was brought down to the Egyptians and then they, they did a hieroglyph about it. I mean, this is real. Like they actually right. do this. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, having a, a vine and, and a, a God around that is probably, yeah, it's not foreign. No. It's not foreign to I them. I don't have a problem yeah. with like early Christians trying to like figure it out and understand, like put, put Christianity or wrapping their heads around Christianity and uh, using the things that they're used to and under, like that doesn't, that doesn't blow me away because it's not like we have these like deep, widely spread historical documents slash the Bible printed and available, like readily available across where we could have right. consistency. There's a lot of yeah. and, tribal knowledge that was being spread. Yeah, and 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 even and so the Bible does take things from ancient from ancient times, um, the the ancient Near East and around that. Um, there are things in there that are because it's a product of that. Because yeah, because the people are lived in that era, and so they need to be communicated with in a way that they would understand. Sure. Um, and Jesus, and, also and, the writers were communicating in a way they understood. Like the the writers weren't receiving timeless downloads from God; they were writing out of their own experience. And like, yet the ball and the inspiration progressed their view of God over the, uh, the uh, library of the Bible. Yeah, Is that redundant. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Like, cause yeah, yeah, yeah. Bible means books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But there, there are, sp- Jeff and I were just talking about that. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but there are specific things like when you, you mentioned, you mentioned Ezekiel <laughs> earlier and he gets a vision. Um, I, I don't think Ezekiel made up the vision or he, he looked at an event going on in the world and, and then he s- derived a vision from the event that happened in real life, he derives a vision and then he reinterprets that back into something relatable. I, yeah. I mean, it, um, but I, I think it's more natural to take it as God gave Ezekiel that vision. And, and so Ezekiel has to present what he saw so that people can understand what he, what, what he's saying. Can I read a little bit of yeah. that passage since Bible is in the name of the podcast? <laughs> Uh, this is, is I will allow it. Ezekiel uh, one. No, this is from one one to forty eight twenty two. We are not going to read that much. 
but verse four through nine, I looked and I saw an immense dust storm come from the north, an immense cloud with lightning flashing from it, a huge ball of fire glowing like bronze. Within the fire were what looked like four creatures vibrant with life. Each had the form of a human being, so they were obviously a gray. But each also had four faces and four wings. Their legs were as sturdy and straight as columns, but their feet were hoofed, hooved, like Tom Green would say, like those of a calf, and sparkled from the fire like burnished bronze. On all four sides, under the wings, they had human hands. All four had both faces and wings, with the wings touching one another. They turned neither one way nor the other. They went straight forward. Their faces look like this. In front, a human face. On the right side, the face of a lion. On the left, the face of an ox. I mean, it goes Did you guys on. ever see Clash of the Titans? It sounds... Uh, <laughs> no, oh, okay. no. But it may be prophetic because I had a weird dream last night that Lindsay and I were hanging out with my old college roommate's ex-girlfriend and she had uh, her neck look and chin looked like it was uh, like a giraffe. Continue. Okay. Interesting. No, I don't know that any. I mean, I did you just go say on. giraffe? Giraffes, yeah. giraffes like do have was, weird chins. It was like yeah. it was like dude. It was like the the coloration of a dude. Giraffe. I was just thinking was about weird. giraffes as he was saying that, and then you said giraffes, dude. Double prophecy. I don't know. What's double, it's a double prophecy. Wow. Oh you, my god, what does it mean? <laughs> Look at the shoes. <laughs> go, go. I skipped ahead like twenty verses. Over the heads of the living creatures was something like a dome, shimmering like a sky full of cut glass, maybe I'm on the grass, vaulted over their heads. Under the domes, one set of wings was extended towards the others. Skip ahead. And then there stood with folded wings. There's a voice from above. Skip ahead. It said, son of man, stand up. I have something to say to you. Um, We didn't even get to the wheels. There's wheels within wheels. I mean, it kind of seems like a trip a little bit. Why? I don't know. Because it's weird. Well, I was I don't weird, it. but it's I weird to you. I know. I and know. so, what you're saying earlier about revelation, um, about uh, um, understanding things, we don't we don't necessarily today have a context for that. Does but it make you uncomfortable? Ancient peoples might have a context. I totally for agree all with you, those, Scott. For all of that imagery, so I I concur. You know, now, I just explained to you a non-hallucinogenic dream where I was hanging out with a giraffe-faced lady. Right, and he wasn't even on drugs. Yeah. That's the non-hallucinogenic <laughs> part. And but also yeah. the hallucinogenic part is your brain uh, secretes DMT when you're dreaming. Jeez. Uh, well, the point the point that I'm trying to make is that may seem weird, but that doesn't, that doesn't exactly mean, well, clearly he was... On hallucinations. Right. Right. right, I got you. Right. The fact that I had giraffe thoughts as well before you even mentioned that definitely means. Well, and then and then if, if you're on drugs. and then if well if when the brain secretes DMT, obviously that's a revelation that you're supposed to have. They just, you interpret as this is somehow relating to God. So incorporate that into your religion because that's how the ancients did it. Does it? I mean, but that's the logic. Right. But a little bit of hypothetical, but I think it's a possibility. And then let's get back to Kermit the Frog. Okay. <laughs> it's hard. Um, I, I would like to know what he has to say. <laughs> I will tell you. I'm not even hearing lots of his. When you are ready, Jordan, I will tell Kermit. you. You're too Kermit. That's too much Kermit. I, 
You went way You're too much. You're not supposed money. to. How dare Yes, and this shit. I'm helping yeah. you. This is your first time podcasting. I'm coaching you. you never, no, this you is never not the time for coaching. You never go full Kermit. You never. No, you need to bring it back a little bit, and you can't say too I many words f- at once. All I can do is full Kermit. I'm doing an impression of an impression. No more than four words before you take a <laughs> Otherwise break. Otherwise, you lose it because yeah. your voice tightens up. <laughs> nope, because that's where he puts the brakes. Now, what if God, the, part of the way that he spoke to prophets was their understanding of their culture. They saw the writing on the wall, as it were, pun intended. And whether it's through fasting or something they consumed. It's a possibility. Um, if that was how some of these visions got recorded, mm-hmm. is that problematic for you, to use a word that I hate? Not for me. Um, I, 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 I'm not... Assume that's true. Would that be worrying to you for, in your current understanding? Just play my game. Assume that's true, that yeah. some of these visions were the result of a prophet being dehydrated and not eating enough or taking something. Like, if that happened and that's how they got some of their visions, would that be problem- problematic for you guys currently? Um, well, because we're we're going with the idea that God is revealing something to the prophet. What if that's how God did it? Is that bad? Um, that that God. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess if God did it that way, it's hard to say that it's bad. Um, it but it's it's hard it's it's kind of right now it's weird to think that. Someone going through a similar situation, if they have an, uh, if they hallucinate to some degree, why can't we say, or what's the, what's to stop us from saying, no, that's not a revelation from God? Why? And so, if we can't say that, then okay, well, why isn't that truth that we need to follow as revelation from God that we we are probably going to be accountable for, accountable for because yeah. God revealed it? These are great. These are great questions, and it's possible at the time, well, often at the time, the prophets came back with this news, like, listen, look at what I saw, and this means this, you better change your shit, or things are going to happen, like, wheels are going to consume you, and the side of somebody's giraffe face is going (laughs) to, you're going to wake up, and it's gnawing at you. Yeah. Um, They aren't well received, they were often killed, so at the time, it's like, no, God didn't say that. Like, that's their version of like, God didn't right. say that. Get out of here. Right. Good thing we have Jesus to come along and say, well, these were prophets and you killed them. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a, it's true, Scott, but it's also a little cop out, but we can move on unless Andy, no, because, you got well, thoughts. No, so then why more, not, why more, not, more, more Kermit. No, but why not believe anybody who has a hallucin, uh, hallucination? Well, there's also the, the idea that God can still do what God wants to do in spite of humanity and i think he demonstrates that a lot like that's kind of what i'm getting at david how comfortable are we with that even if even if humans misinterpret it or or miss it you know act out of uh god's direct intentions he can still it, salvage the situation well he could but there, there are still in the old testament there's still false prophets and so okay well where did they get their false prophecy right uh, how, how, you could, and you how could do we determine not that? right you can yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could you could still function outside. And of. we have the benefit of But David's hindsight. a good example, right? We have the benefit da- of Jesus. David's a good example of like in spite of all the screw ups, like he still figures out how to um But his screw ups were pointed out. his screw ups were pointed out by a prophet. 
in in some of the books so, not to start a rabbit hole. No, no, no. It doesn't matter though. Like that, that's not the point. The point is like in spite of this, in spite of um, human error, human fault, or human misunderstanding, can can God still do what God wants to do? Can His will still be enacted? That's that's the the overarching point. Not who's the person pointing out? Did you do wrong? Right. Can I press play? Part please, play. please. I don't know. Is are Brian even a Christian? Are you Christian? Sorry. Um, so, and you don't have to answer you? that. I, 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 I want to put you on the spot. I'd love to. Um, I, I very much still consider myself a Christian in the way I learned about it from the Jesuits, which was largely about social justice and contemplative mysticism and being of service. I was taught to be a man for others. And in, in that sense, yeah, I still consider myself a Christian, maybe even more so after discovering, um, you know, the pagan roots of this faith. And, and what, what I do think is an, an interesting way for Christianity to sit with. Uh, would you guys say that that's why, that's why you're a Christian? That's, that's what defines your Christianity? As as social justice and contemplative mysticism and and being of service, I was a taught to be a man for others. That's what he said. I would say yes, uh, and I, I have plenty to to go into with that. But from my personal current understanding, and guys, this is just my opinion. Yes, that that's what it means to be a Christian. That I would consider him a Christian, depending on what he meant by some of those things, Jeff. Is he going to be in heaven when you get there? Is Brian there? Yeah, I want to hear Andy's answer first. Oh, God, Jeff. <laughs> so weak. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, you must be a fan uh, for others. Uh, <laughs> I just don't... I feel like you're missing like a pretty key component. A, a like, pretty key which is component. What? Which, which is, is what? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God <laughs> who died for your sins, was raised three days later? Like, those are the... Right, that's but, the key if, part of making you Christian. Otherwise, those things, other things that he described, can exist outside of Christianity, and they did. You don't need them. <laughs> they do, and they do. They did, and they do. <laughs> they do. But you, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever you just said, can yeah. be true about an individual. But if they're not doing the things that he's talking about, if they're not living like Jesus, I'll just just say, he's talking about following, like acting like Jesus would act and doing what Jesus would do. As his faith, it, you can tell it's very action based, um, very here and now. What am I doing? And he's saying, if he you in these if things. you ascribed all those things that Andy mentioned and Scott affirms, and I I affirm too, but you're not doing the things in my right. book, you're not a Christian. So I flipped that on his head. Yeah. Well, so the, why would oh, you define the thing backwards though? <laughs> yeah. Right. Because why, why not, most why? of America is comprised of people that say they believe in Jesus, but they watch more porn than people that are not Christians. But what, what and, is that? And I'm not saying porn is, <laughs> makes you not a Christian. I'm just saying porn is higher watched in the red states than the blue. Whatever that means. Forget I said porn. Take take not acting like Jesus. Tr- take trying to use political power to get your religious agenda done, that's not acting like Jesus. And so that's why I flip it on its head is like, I agree with you. That's a a, a really, yeah, you've created the deepest of rabbit holes. Maybe, maybe it's possible. I'll convert it to a rat hole. Even that's possible. We really don't want to. I'll dig my way out of this. You just let me talk long enough. I'll have to go to China, but China, but the reason I flip it is that like, there's plenty of Christians that would, 
most of America would ag- most of American Christians hundred percent. Let's just say ninety nine percent of American Christians agree with what Andy just said. But if they're not doing it, that's okay. How about we? The, then you're, it's rubbish. I know, but look, <laughs> maybe it's because this guy is so academic that it's that he's it's problematic for him to engage in the way that normal people engage. Which is, if I asked uh, a typical mechanic, "Hey, tell me about what you do," yeah, he's like, uh-huh, "Oh, uh-huh. well, yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I give I give cars back to customers. That's that's what I do. I take cars." from customers and I give it back to them. Are you a valet? So Jordan, yeah. so Jordan, what you're saying is you don't actually have to give back cars to customers. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, you know, they give me the car, give me money, and then I give it back to them. Hey. Parking attendant. You're a parking attendant? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, no, like, it... And is it possible a, in the a, moment, a, is it possible in the moment that he just, he was describing the way that you would act as a Christian. And he's saying, yes, I, I'm a Christian. I do these things. Is it possible that in the moment he just dropped the fact that I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for us, that uh, That's those like the things, most important thing. I though. realize that. I realize that. But when, but you yeah, guys you, would care more if he said the right words than if he actually lives out of here's why. Here's why. Because <laughs> that's what whole, I'm wondering. No, 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 no. Here's here's why. It's because his whole entire argument is set up on kind of trying to to cast doubt in the in right. the underpinnings of Christianity and the legit and some of the legitimacy of of Christianity. Yes. And so when he goes back to this historical perspective of like, was Jesus even there? This was alluded to earlier. Was Jesus even by there? By me, or? not by him. Oh, okay. All right. This is the problem why we argued against things that hadn't been argued. But the point that I'm trying to make it's is- It's part of the mystery of our podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's unknowable. We still, we still haven't got to the words mystery in pharmacy. Go ahead. Keep going. It's unknowable. But the point is like, um, it's A, it's not that hard a question to go, because really what it, when you say is someone a Christian, well, yes, do you still believe the fundamental pieces of Christianity? And then do you live those things out? Can- he could still answer the, it's not hard to do. It's like, oh yes. Yeah. In spite of all my, uh, of things that I've learned or delved into, I still believe that Jesus is who he says he was or is who he says he is. And, yeah. and I still live out these things and, and believe in the actions that, yeah. that follow. I resemble your remark, <laughs> but it just, it strikes me that it's possible if he made a statement of like, yes, I'm a Christian because I believe that Jesus saves me. And if you don't receive him as your Lord and savior, you're going to go to hell. That would have been more accept. That's what being a Christian is more than living it out. Is well, that true? Well, no, because this would that have been more acceptable. This, this sounds like works based righteousness. This is, this is being a Christian that you, you do social justice. That that's, that's a works based righteousness. If you don't do, if you don't do the Jesus work, do all nice people go to heaven? I don't heaven, care what Zach. you say about Jesus. I don't. Well, I, I, I don't think I, being a Christian. I, agree I think with you're you. arguing the reverse, I, which isn't being yeah. suggested. You're arguing. You're arguing from a position that's not being presented here, we, which is. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. If someone says, if I say I'm a mechanic, but I don't fix anybody's think, cars, then yeah. I'm not a mechanic. 
I think right. I'm giving him. I'm, I'm giving him some grace. Mileage out of this. <laughs> mileage out of this analogy. God, <laughs> that was cool. worth. That's worth two points out of this car analogy. It would have been better. <laughs> you got to get more points um, if you did it but, as Jordan Peterson. But but, but 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 what the hell? What the hell is contemplative mysticism? Oh, wait, that's pretty good. Contemplate like how do you think people seeking for an experience of God like contemplating, meditating on. God's word, meditating on oh God, oh, meditating on God's word. I like uh, that, Zach. Yeah. I, don't I like con- that, Zach. I don't think that's contemplative mysticism. It's part of it. Is it's, it? It's a lot of meditation. Uh, okay, it's, I think we beat this one. <laughs> Let's go. Let's, we this is a uh, dead horse for sure. Yeah, uh, well, but one although more, it's yeah. still worth beating. I, yeah. I don't mind beating, but but <laughs> my point was okay. I'll just leave it alone. I Cole? think we can move on. But well, one, one last part. One, one last part. Though, one last part on that. He says after dis, he said maybe even more so after discovering the pagan roots of this faith, and he's talking about Christianity. Right. So the pagan roots of Christianity. I'd, I'd right. Ha- it's be right. I'd, I'd have. Right. I got you. I'd have a problem with taking that. a huge and, jump. Yeah. Anyway. With no evidence. Although, if if you discover that people living their faith is less like, oh my gosh, they had direct access to God because it was closer to that time period. And it's more like, oh, they we have our own practices now. They may or may not involve hallucinogens. For some super large churches, it started out with a lot of marijuana, the Jesus movement. And like the way people come to God and experience God is going to vary and it can be very different than we want it to, depending on our experience. And I think that's my interpretation of that. Like seeing people at the time practicing their pagan religion their way and then encountering Christ and then maybe incorporating some of that Mm. in how they followed Christ, maybe moving for some of them, it was a shift, but it's a very human way. It's how human belief changes. It doesn't change with a switch flip. Obviously, rarely it does. But but that but that wouldn't mean that it started out with large amounts of of marijuana, like Lonnie Frisbee and the the whole Jesus movement. I'm just and, saying, and going, people are humans, and the way that the way believe, people experience right. God is going to look very. But different. But that's not the and, origins of the Jesus. Like it, that, that, I guess that's the problem with trying to pinpoint or trying to associate it so closely. It's like I, I guess if you said like if people that just converted to Christianity in the in the Jesus movement still did still engaged in marijuana how do you say that smoked marijuana oh okay that's different. i don't that, think that's, that's a problem that one that no but that's 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 one that's one statement but it seemed like you're saying like the jesus movement was born out of people doing marijuana that that just that seems that it just, was a part of the process it's that's what i have a problem with I, I i just i don't think that the jesus movement it happened. happened because the people were smoking marijuana and had religious experiences. They were doing. It was a part of their process. I can't. I don't think either you or I could say that it had no effect on it or not. Like marijuana affects the way you think. It, you can have experiences on marijuana. You can have experiences on alcohol that can be, you know, profound. They can be super negative. Like this isn't a. It's good or it's bad. It's a. That movement was born out of a hippie culture that was heavily using marijuana. That's not a endorsement of marijuana or an endorsement. Chuck Smith was not using marijuana and he was one, he was like the main leader of the Jesus movement. So I I, like, he never, he never smoked pot. I I don't know if he ever smoked pot, but he wasn't smoking pot. I don't want to, to cut to an example of people, the Jesus movement, Scott, (laughs) that's that's, that's my point. 
you're trying to whitewash a period in time where a lot of people came to Christ and part of the reason they had was part of the profound experiences they had and marijuana was a part of that. No, you're you're trying to associate. Wait, you're trying to associate What's your proof the, of that? You're trying to associate Are you picking the, an, the edge, an edge case and <laughs> applying that to the majority? I'm just no. I'm just saying it happened. I tried to whitewash people, like people no. used marijuana the Jesus movement was born out of a hippie culture. And a lot of people were smoking weed. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that they they had their religious experience. It's exper- not an endorsement of weed. They, that doesn't mean that they had their their religious experience while they were using marijuana. Yeah, that's a leap, dude. Are you, you guys, guys look- hey, <laughs> it hold is a leap. On. It is I a mean, leap. There's much more to come. And this goes back to I'm not making wh- the declarative statement. No, but it but you did. It you said every, mar- you marijuana. Said everyone who knows Jesus got high. <laughs> yeah. That's what Scott hears. Okay. <laughs> but he even says, I mean, uh, you know, the person Jordan's interviewing even says a, a few groups, and he doesn't even specify there's no timeline as Scott mentioned, but it's the same kind of thing. Like we're because they're being, having a conversation, right? And but we're being, pre, we're having presuppositions of how things might have happened when we really don't have evidence. It's nice to kick around, yeah. But let's hear more of this interview. Okay. These mystery traditions and the possibility that in these early centuries of Paleo Christianity, there was a type of Christianity. Um, that clearly attracted people, and I think it's the kind of Christianity that, that attracts me today, 2,000 years later. This, this notion of um, personal, direct experience of the divine. Something was happening in those centuries to turn this carpenter's son into the most famous human being who ever lived. Something was happening for this illegal cult um, of a dozen or so illiterate day laborers to convert the entire Roman Empire in only a couple centuries and become the world's well, that's biggest also religion. The great... So, what does he think that thing was? Well, well what's that's, the something? If you go to the first <laughs> clip we played where he says, there's a lot of things, it's not just this. This is a small part. Like His focus on the potentiality of hallucinogenics on some groups of early Christians is not the reason for the conversion of the Roman Empire, which that's what that clip sounded like. That's why I played yeah. the fourth clip first because he kind of, he ends up being like, no, there's a lot going on. It's not just that, but this is just his area of uh, intrigue and focus. Which is good because I think that that's the point that I, I think it makes sense. You can have French groups that will exist everywhere throughout history. Of every every of all religion thing, of, e- ever. Of all yeah. things ever anywhere. And so it, are you trying to paint a picture which is this is the dominant culture and activity of a group or religion or culture or are you saying that this is a thing that may have been happening as part of it because it started to grow and it started to grow relatively quickly. And as such, things pop up in weird areas. But does that mean that it now becomes the foundational aspect of the religion? Or is it just, this was a little thing that happened over on the side? It's a little thing that happened. Well, it goes it's to hard like... It's to know. It goes to how... It's hard to know how to practice Christianity correctly. Was it in a small... Lot? I'm getting worse. <laughs> well, you're learning from yeah. me. <laughs> well, the question was, or the idea was, you know, how could something have spread like this? Is it possible that somebody dying on a cross and coming coming back to life and and actually there was prophecy about it and it was all fulfilled 
is it possible that that could be what was the catalyst for Christianity moving so quickly through the people and communities and nope and- drugs right <laughs> or drugs <laughs> or drugs but honestly I, I think we're we're that's great but it would have died it would have died with the druggies we're varying on or we're we're bordering on like a like a b like it's either this the cross or, this. or a marijuana and drug. I want to, and I I know I have contributed to like it's either a or b uh, in this conversation, but I want to try to emphasize that I ultimately I it's it's messy how a pagan Greek would need what what they would need to see and experience to experience the true divine is going to vary a lot from what I would have needed or maybe still need as Scott would say or what what Jeff needed when you had your experience and what Scott Scott you need. You need more like data. You want to search that, and that's good. That's that's where that's how you receive your experience from God. Generally, that's not to say you can't experience it other ways, and that's not a problem. Um, but it's not a problem for people to receive their mountaintop moment where they they see Jesus, whether it's through reading, just reading, becoming a Christian, reading John, or maybe you're on a little something and somebody comes, somebody t- starts talking to you about like, dude, let me tell you about this. Jesus guy. Like it's, it's going to look different depending on where you're at. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm just pushing, I'm pushing a back against, <laughs> um, uh, seeking God through the means of hallucinogenics. Um, so the, where's the line then? Yeah. Okay. So take hallucinogenics out. Mm. Each one of the churches we go to, and whoever listeners, wherever they go to church or they don't, how they experience things, let's just assume churchgoer. Mm-hmm. And you go to church and you worship. You worship in a certain way at your church. Partly, oftentimes it's like you have an experience. You're, you're creating an experience. You might well, not Depending be, on what you mean by experience, but like, hey, we're, we're there, we're, we're singing songs about God. And we're going to then receive. I'm doing the, a sloppy a way of saying from God, singing songs together with yeah. the same focus as the people you're around does things to your brain that being by yourself and singing songs doesn't. It changes your brain chemistry. So, if you if that's the baseline, like that's acceptable, we understand like people experience that differently. At one at one what point is taking something, whether, what if you're on caffeine? Like there's a lot of substance that are very acceptable to us here and now. Where's the line? I am not making an argument for using hallucinogens to see God and that's the way you should do it. It's how people experience (laughs) God. It sounds like you are. What I'm saying is that oftentimes our church experience is built around, it's doing things to our brain and we we associate that with the Holy Spirit excuse me, the Holy Spirit coming and being in, in our church language, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit coming, man, the Holy Spirit really showed up. Usually it's when the band played really well and everyone was in it together and the people around you were fired up. There's an energy that changes the your brain chemistry. And that's, that is some of the things that drugs do. And so if they, those played a part in people's worship experiences that brought them closer to God, I think that is a possibility. I'm not saying do, it's right. Do you think caffeine? I'm not saying it's wrong. Do you think caffeine 
has an has an it it, it all it definitely alters your I, I think caffeine is a prop for this conversation and I don't want to get hung up oh, on but, know, but, but if you're gonna <laughs> but you say a lot of people do caffeine and that was kind of equivocated caffeine to hallucinogens. they worship together they worship solo yeah. these things change our brain when you when you're around people and you have a, the same purpose you could be you could be worshiping Marduk and you would have the same feeling as people worshiping God well, together. We're, but we're, that's because we're, we're human. We're, I mean, that our, our experiences are that's limited. That's what I'm saying. And, and what you ingest affects the way your body is. Food, ever, like the healthier body depends on what you ingest. I'm just saying it's all a part of, it's all in the, in the spectrum of the exp, like a human experience. Big, big, yeah. big, big, but big hallucin- Mac, Scott, Big Mac, straight to God. But, but hallucinogens, God. Hallucinogens, God hallucinogens take away... Your ability to um, control what you're thinking. Are you sure? I actually have a clip for that. Um, yeah, that, that. Yeah, that's not controversial. That's that's not a controversial. That's easy. That's easy <laughs> so, to get no, on board. No, with. Jeff, well, you can take drugs and you'll just be in total control. <laughs> that's your opinion. Temporarily, it, they, they officer, do, I'm doing fine. <laughs> they do affect. I've told um, my brain you're not under the influence. Right. <laughs> I identify as a drug-using, non-drug-out so, so person. There are no officers in my truck. I apologize beer. on the way over here. I was listening to this, and this clip I'm playing from my phone because I didn't clip it, but this comes right after the Are You a Christian thing. Okay. And he and Jordan talks about the practical effects, or he eventually gets to the practical effects of hallucinogens. So... I think for at least some of these communities, the way the gospel was communicated to them in the Greek language may have reminded them of some of these mystery rites, some of these pagan right. rituals. Well, that is, that is, a, that is a, relatively speaking, a very modern hypothesis. I guess the problem I have with that hypothesis, insofar as I have a problem with it, because it could well be accurate, is that, as you have pointed out, the hallucinogenic experience is so unbelievably powerful that it's hard to believe that it would have had a, like a tremendous impact. And you see also these, these odd... Con- correspondences between the development of Christian ideas and and the the mysteries of facing death that you described that aren't trivial. So Christ is crucified. He dies. Three days later, so he spends time in the underworld. He spends time in hell. He resurrects. That's That's a dying, that's a death and resurrection story that's very much akin to a shamanic death and 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 rebirth and it's it's hard to believe that those ideas aren't in some manner integrally related especially mm. given that that's something that can be experienced as a consequence of chemical transformation and then the next question is what the hell does it mean that that sort of thing can be um initiated in people re- repeatedly and reliably as a consequence of chemical manipulation I mean, and, and you say, well, it's an aberration. It's a form of poisoning. That, that's a reason. That's the most reasonable hypothesis. Pause real quick. But then you'd His point that he's trying to make is that how can you, if, if you're positing that uh, early Christians got high and that's how they were inspired by and, and became Christians, how is that a repeatable uh, process is kind of what he's saying because it seems a little out of control. Well, I think he gets to it. The, the effects of hallucinogens are repeatable. Like the experience is repeatable. 
the uh, type the type of experience little, right now he's yes the type not, of experience not, not necessarily the, the, the not outcome. necessarily the details of that experience but, but I think he get, he is very roundabout in a second he gets to what we know now about people who have had hallucinogenic experiences and people who haven't um, which was why I brought this up I I forgot that he kind of like he's just He's going and he's right, thinking right. and yeah. continue. Be negative, not positive. And I read a large scale study, hundreds of thousands of people. It's retrospective analysis looking at the comparative mental and physical health of hallucinogen users versus non-users. And on virtually every measure of physical and mental health, the hallucinogen users were healthier. It's not what you'd expect if it's poison. Mm. And so it's not poison, but it's a chemical that produces this incredibly powerful spiritual experience. What the hell are we supposed to make of that? And, and, and it's, it's at the foundation of our religious belief, historically speaking, perhaps at the foundation of Christian ideas themselves. It looks like it's integral to the emergence of Greek rationality and all of the civilization that's flourished in the Mediterranean. It can't just be brushed away. And then there's the clinical evidence coming in from Griffith's end showing that it does appear to be positively transformative. I mean, I'll just leave it there. Now, there's a lot of statements you could debate there, but overall, like, it's like he's like, what do you make of this? And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't know what to make of it, but I, I'm very slow to be like, no, it, it couldn't have happened because doing drugs is bad, it alters your mind. Um, it, there's like, there's more to it than just like, I think, I think we get nervous, myself included, if some of the things we believe are true. It feels less authentic if it if they didn't have it direct from God, if it was brought on by something else, quote unquote, like if it was brought on by a different substance, if they had an experience and that ended up in the Bible, um that feels problematic probably for most Christians. Like they they're like that couldn't be true because that's not how God works. And me personally now it's like maybe or maybe maybe God God does it all. He works in mysterious ways. Uh, so even he's if, talking about secret rituals. So even with even with that therapeutic uh, aspect of doing the, some sort of hallucinogenic, um, that still wouldn't necessarily translate to the spiritual realm or the religious realm. It it helps them. I think he mentions people quit smoking or they quit drinking, um, or, um, or and I think as I mentioned, uh, uh, um, uh, being uh, helping with PTSD. Uh, that. That, that's yeah. That that there's there may be a, a therapeutic effect there, but still, it doesn't translate to revelation from God. Um, but one of the, one of the guy's main arguments, um, or the, the the path that he's kind of following, is the word the two words mysterion mystery, uh, um, which he said is you know similar to the pagan religions, even though it's it's, it's kind of just like the same Greek word, which is kind of understandable. But then and, and then also the word pharmakia. Um, which from where we get uh, pharmacy, but it also, uh, that word was used in ancient writings to talk Don't about- Don't go to the pharmacy. It's not a Christian place. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, pharmacy used was used um, of those, uh, or one of the words used of, of those hallucinogenics. Uh, what we see what we see in the, in the Bible though, of, of the word pharmakia, it, it, it's just, it's always used in the Bible in the negative sense. It's saying like, like, it's translated as sorcerers, but it's saying like in, in the Old Testament it says that that if you engage in sorcery, um, uh, sorcerers should th- those who engage in pharmakia should be put to death. Um, in, in the New Testament it says that those engaged in pharmakia will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, so I mean, it, so if 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 the basis of I some of you, his Scott. research is based upon this word pharmakia, the Bible the Bible is, is t- 
talks about that in a, in a negative way. And if if using pharmakia to get revelation about the kingdom of God, well, well, it says that if you engage in pharmakia, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that include consuming things you find that are growing? Like, say you're a person, and you, you it affects the way you think temporarily. Like, is that engaging in pharmakia? Uh, or would well, it be- so, so that that's the question. We we gotta we gotta look at what does this word what does this word mean in the Bible? Um, just because the word appears in the Bible and it appears in ancient texts, it doesn't mean that they have the same uh, the same precise meanings. They could have same basic meanings, but there are a lot of a lot of words that is taking you know, antidepressants pharmacia. Is there a potentiality uh, there? <laughs> Drugs are bad. <laughs> uh, well, I, there might be a there might be a point at, at which uh, at which that can be, yeah, but not 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 necessarily. Uh, alcohol uh, um, alters your brain. Alcohol is probably the worst of all. Um, of um, but cheers, guys. We're never they're never told to uh, in, uh, engage in alcoholic beverage uh, to encounter God. I th- it's it's the opposite. You're not supposed to have imbibed in any alcohol uh, the the priest were to have abstained from alcohol before they, they does, approach God does does the author here try to find any other examples where it's where um there seems to be some like direct I don't even want to use inspiration like some some direct instruction like this is this is a this is a means to the end of understanding Christianity and becoming enlightened and knowing Jesus We've gotten the mus the Mustafa. Well, so the Mysterian. I'm not sure if we talked about that. We can we can circle back to that, but yeah. But I'm just wondering if 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 in the podcast does he give any other very specific calls? Because right now he's he's saying what well what we call that was Ezekiel and Revelation both say some really weird things, and then we make we make the intellectual jump to say therefore they must have been on hallucinogenics because they said weird things. He's got a lot of maze and might <laughs> well, have happened. Even, even just the idea in well, John where Jesus... the nature Jesus, of history. Well, even, but even just, John, well, even just in John where Jesus speaks in parables, that's an indication of so, hallucinogenics. Well, no, no, like no. So hold on. So hold on. 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 So, my, so I gave those examples for the question, which is, is he, is he pointing to any other direct places in the Bible where he's trying to say... This is He's not making a biblical case for hallucinogens. Okay. All right. If that answers your question. That actually is the first time I've had a question answered in like 15 minutes. Listener, go back and check. Actually, you're going to say 15 podcasts. Yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> Might have been 15 I was, podcasts. I was going to agree with that. Usually too. it's just question on we top We agreed of, on something, all of us. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. I do. I do. Well, let's see. Good, good times. Well, all right. Good, good times, times, guys. Good times. Are, are y'all confused? I'm confused. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That's a good palate cleanser. Where are we at? Uh, maybe drugs make yeah. spirituality more real? Drugs are that. What would you say the uncertain consequence of taking this sort of hypothesis seriously, right? Which is an uncertain... There are uncertain consequences. Well, it's a very dangerous. It's a very dangerous proposition because it yes. opens up the possibility that religious experience. Ooh, that's which, right. Yeah, we moved on to the second half of this episode. Is a different dude. I mentioned him at the front. I don't remember his name now. Actually, Carl Ruck. He is an American professor who is known for his extensive research on mythology and religion regarding the sacred role of uh, entheogens 
a selection of psychedelic plants that are known for inducing altered states of reality and consciousness. Now, this guy would not call himself a Christian. I'm pretty confident in that in any respect. Um, He did so many drugs, he became an atheist. But if he he practices social justice and contemplative mysticism, then he would be. He's probably a Christian. Karak. Where there, right. I agree with you guys. Where that's there is love, Scott. there is God. Like so that's not true. <laughs> well, First John, that's blasphemy um, of the Holy now, Spirit. What are the consequences of taking this hypothesis seriously? Does this call into question the validity? Which, which hypothesis? Like that, hallucinogens played a role in the early church. Okay. Are there consequences of that? Okay. Does that call into question the valid, validity of religion? What would you say the uncertain consequence of taking this sort of hypothesis seriously, right? Which is an uncertain, there are uncertain consequences. Oh, it's a very dangerous, it's a very dangerous proposition because it yes. opens up the possibility that religious experience or spiritual realities are a part of our basic nature as, as humans. Well, and but that, it's worse that call, than that. That calls into question the validity of all the religions. Now, before I get to, I love what Jordan does here. He's at his best when he he flips things and exposes. It's not necessarily that this guy's wrong, although I tend to think him it it calling into question all of religious. Basically, he's saying religion is fake. That's a less than generous interpretation of what he's saying. But he's like, this means that it's just basically the substance. It's our mind. It's fake. And Jordan does a little flip that I, I kind of appreciated. It's it's so well. Uh, every- I think it's worse. I think it calls it 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 opens up the possibility that they're correct. They're correct. They have just defined it in, in their own. Uh, well, yes, yes, that yes. But I I think I think the idea. This might be my own personal peccadillo, but I think the idea that. There's something in the central religious doctrine that's fundamentally correct is much more terrifying than the idea that there isn't. That, that's how it looks to me. I mean, if if there's something divine and immortal about human beings, and it's our ultimate ethical responsibility to let that shine into the world, and that's part of reality itself, then you know, heaven help us when we don't manage that. That's how it looks to me. Wow. Now, he's not making a, a positive claim for Christianity. He's talking generally about just religious experience in general. Um, but even so, I think it's pretty powerful. And it, it just shows that this Ruck guy, you know, his, his, his IQ is off the charts compared to mine, probably. Like, he's a really smart dude, and he's got his lane, and it's great. But he just exposed a huge blind... For this guy psychedelics being a part of it means it's fake. And, and Jordan was like, if it's tapping into some, if it's lifting a a veil that we aren't always exposed to and, and that there's possibility that there's truth with some of these experiences that are transcendent and eternal. Like he said, heaven, like God help us. Like we, we want, that's why he digs. That's why I know he's controversial guy. You know, I I could probably quibble quibble with some of his things, but he's a digger. He's constant like digging. What is the truth? And he would not be classified as like any an evangelical Christian by any of us or anybody really or himself. But he's a digger and he's thoughtful. And I I just loved how he kind of flipped out on the guy. And the guy kind of went with him a little bit. 
but I don't think the guy, his ego probably protected him from realizing that he just got a blind spot ripped off. Because he doesn't want to be accountable to a higher power, I'm, I'm sure. But but yeah, if <laughs> if and if you have disparate people groups taking hallucinogenics and they all come to the conclusion that there's a higher, that there's something outside of humanity that we should be experiencing. Yeah. That, that might clue you in on, on something. Even, even if you go down the hallucinogenic at, uh, road. Uh, yeah. That, that, so you're saying it that, could be a start on somebody's spiritual journey. No, no, I'm saying towards if, God. No, I'm saying if you no. follow the fool's logic, what you're saying Scott is that <laughs> if you, if you, if you answer the fool according to his folly, then um, he should, he should, that, that should be a clue to him that, well, th- that uh, there's no guarantee of hallucinogenics uh, creating the uh, same experience or the same details of, of an experience. But somehow these people uh, take take them and they come up with these life-altering um, real revelations that there's some higher power out there that, there, that there should is, be worshipped. There is a fairly consistent, um, I think... I'm punching above my pay grade right now. It's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. Well, this is like my opinion and new shit just came to light. <laughs> um, the t- consumption of certain hallucinogens, the death and resurrection metaphor holds like there is a death and like an exposure, like, like a, your ego dissolves. You realize the pettiness of, of your selfishness. Like there's a, almost like a revelation for a lot of people. And that I think is the re and then when they come out of it, they're different. And by the way, you can't, most of these hallucinogens, you can't just do it the next day and have the same experience. Your body's like, no, you're done. You, you had that. It takes a long time before you go back to it. That's not the same with alcohol or marijuana or a lot of other substances. You can, you can spin out, well, not marijuana so much, but alcohol, cocaine, a lot of these other uh, opo- opioids, you can do severe damage by doing them all the time and too much. Um, and there's this weird thing where it's like, you take it, you're done. But that that happens with hallucinogenics too. Like people who've done acid are burned out and ruined for the rest of their lives. There, there, right. there are, yeah, there are, there are cases. Permafried. Yeah. yeah the, the point, the point isn't like it's a, uh, but that's the, that's the truth so, with all of them. Yeah. So people make sure you get the right hallucinogenic to make sure you don't get permafried. No, it's like, what type of person are you? And, um, Ooh, which happens with drunks. Yeah. With drunks, I, I'm like, a great drunk. Well, uh, sometimes. <laughs> Scott. And not a Christian, <laughs> but like the underlying- drunkards will not inherit the kingdom. Yeah, of God. maybe, you are maybe right, yeah. In the altered state, what is the what is the f- fundamental underlying like characteristic that comes out in you? Maybe that's part of it, and maybe you're maybe there is a maybe there's a common underlying human characteristic that gets unearthed, which is that we believe and recognize in a higher power. Yeah, I think Satanists do hallucinogenics too. Yeah, yeah, they probably drink alcohol too. Yeah, <laughs> People well, don't drink you know, alcohol like, uh, for religious experience. Your opinion, man. <laughs> um, 
So I'm I, not saying it's just for religious experience. I'm saying it's part of your your practice. Like, what, but it's but you're not talking about practice. So you're talking about people, doing things specifically for religious purposes. We're talking about practice. I'm just talking about this this theory, and I think it's very practice, intriguing. Man. I'm not yeah. I'm not here to say you should do uh, hallucinogens or do drugs, but I'm here to say that the way God communicates to people varies wildly, wildly more than uh, we, a lot of us are comfortable with. I don't mind signing up for, in spite of things that people do, can they meet God in interesting ways? The heavily weighing on the in spite of. I'm not okay with signing up for, this is a, this is a method that people should pursue. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't make that statement right now. And I'm not into thinking that, uh, that a, a large medium amount of people did hallucinogens and that's how Christianity took off. It's yeah, I don't sign up for that far fetched. Yeah. Yeah. Theory. I, I would go more with the idea that, that God uh, um, reached out to humanity to try to reconcile the world to himself and showed his grace and his love by sacrificing his son on the cross for our sins. I think I think that contributed to the spread, and then the Christians taking that out to the world Actually, and showing the love, showing the love of God. I'm really glad you I'd, mentioned that. Wait, hold I'd, on, hold I'd on, go hold with on, that hold over uh, hallucinogenics. That. <laughs> that that brings me to the final pagan idea that needs the fi- final pagan practice. Oh, that here needs comes to die. the variant, Scott. <laughs> um, is that God sacrificed His Son? That's a pagan. Uh, wait, okay. So the pagan practice of God sacrificing. I was with son. you until you said. God, so we're we're gonna said, we're gonna get off on a tangent here. No, no, but really you said, quick. I'm. I was. I'm just. I wanted to agree with everything you just said <laughs> about the Jesus stuff until you said God sacrificed His Son. Maybe the, yeah. that sounds pretty pagan to me. Oh, maybe uh, I'm not sure that you understand. Maybe, maybe what the, uh, the the men, the the people who saw Jesus after his death felt like they were on drugs, and then told people, and it just turned into a rumor. They all took hallucinogenics, and then they they tripped the same exact thing. No, no, no. They did no <laughs> drugs and thought, am I in drugs? Uh, not. I, I I'm not sure if we got to this word mysterion. One, one of his main points was, was the word mysterion and, and um, how that's used in the, in the New Testament, um, that the mysteries of God, mysteries of the kingdom of God. And it's all, that word mystery is also used of um, the, the mysteries of Ulysses Scott, and the mysteries Scott, of Dionysus. You're talking so fast, man. I'm listening to you. Oh, I, was talking, so fast. I was talking to Jeff. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Jeff... Um, but, but these, these mysteries, um, and, and the idea is that, that maybe he, maybe he didn't say this, but I, but I think the idea is that, um, uh, you, you engage in hallucinogenics. Um, as I said, they're really nerdy. You, you trip on drugs. You, when you do the let's pot. Let's just say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when tell, you do the, say it's like you're yeah. on drugs, yeah. Jimmy. When, when you're on, when you're on the, the stuff. When um, you are taking, hey, man. Scott, you've been smoking that weed again. <laughs> Eat a bit, a bit of weed. When you take, when you take the pot. <laughs> Whoa, we're so high. <laughs> what who, the hell? Who, you might be taking hey, the pot. Why? Who's calling Jordan, the pot have we taken pot? Oh. By the way, everybody, if you're listening, go back an hour and 45 minutes no, or however long this has been, been long. and do a bunch of drugs and then listen yeah. to this. All right. Oh, but, but, the, um, but you would, you would uh, take the hallucinogenics so that you could, so you would have those mysteries revealed to you. Right. Right. But in in the in the Bible, the, when it talks about mystery, when it uses this word mysterion, those mysteries are revealed in the Bible. 
They're, they're, they're revealed. They're I, not mystery. They're, I mean, they're, they become they are, unveiled. Right. They're unveiled. Right. They were mysteries, and, and then they were explained Co- through Jesus. They don't need drugs to be Correct. unveiled. And the apostles took the teachings of Jesus out to the world. Culminating in what? Um, well, like the, What's what, the ultimate revelation? Well, the ultimate revelation is the kingdom of God, which I, th- which it, this, and so I was, I was, I was What's looking. What's the evidence of that? Evidence. Uh, what do you mean evidence? What's the ultimate evidence of the mysteries revealed about God? Um, well, f- the first one, I guess, or the most important one is Jesus rising from the dead. That, that'd be. Did you hear uh, about that, Zach? Did you? Well, that sounds it's like. It's come across my desk. But, but no the pagans, there, apparently there was a pagan religion that had some sort of resurrection. So the resurrection of Jesus is a pagan idea So this idea is the idea, well. of the roots of Christian. You know, yeah. That's why he yeah. points that out. Uh, but, but, I, but I found, I found that, that I mysteries, heard, heard there, were, there were about 11 or 12 mysteries, specific aspects of, of what, what amounts to, I think, what amounts to the kingdom of God. That are re- that are revealed in in the New Testament. So when it uses this word mysterion in the New Testament, there's an explanation in that same book, that same epistle, of what that mysterion was. What was once hidden is now revealed. And and there I I found I found a bunch of you can and you can just look up look up the word in in, in the New Testament and you read them. It's pretty clear on what they were talking about. So uh, uh, trying trying to use something else, especially a, a, a substance that alters your mind to discover the mysteries about God goes directly against what has been revealed in scripture. Wait, what? I don't know if that, was that argument made absolute, though? Not really. And that's an absolute statement that um, could... Okay. Take it as a statement. Oh, okay. 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 I, I shouldn't well, know if that argument was made that it was like the way to understand the Bible is to get high. I don't no. think he said no, I, that. I said, oh no, no, but but just, but just the idea of that, that uh, of one of one of his basic getting foundational high points would is unveil the mystery is because the word mysterion is used in the Bible, and the word mysterion is used of the secret teachings of pagan religions. So he creates secrets an, and secret rituals was what he said. Yeah, yeah, he creates an association based upon the Greek word mysterion, and what I'm saying is that that Greek word mysterion, when it's used in the New Testament, it explains what that mystery what was hidden before has now been revealed and they didn't take there's no indication that they took drugs or right. hallucinogens to come to that conclusion yeah and he's not arguing for that but that's, that's kind of, i appreciate what but, why you said that scott because that is a clarification worth making um was that it zach what was i what was i what was the answer i was looking for andy do you remember you wanted yes what I was the mystery I, what was the ultimate mystery it wasn't the revealed? mystery it was oh Oh, now I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's a mystery. I thought uh, you just wanted to talk to him about being nice to other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, faith without works is dead, but yeah, if, that's you, what I thought if you don't nice have faith, people. or if you don't have uh, works that demonstrate your faith, you don't really have faith. So right, but what if you have works but no faith? Yeah. I know. It's a conundrum wrapped inside an enigma because the Jesus with dogs and cats fornicating together. According to Jesus, what's the first commandment? Oh, that's part of living together. According to Jesus, the, the most important commandment is to God. Love, love God. God. And then love others. Yeah. 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 And so if we if we are followers of Jesus, then that would be the first commandment. Yeah. Uh-huh. And works, I just, yeah, works would follow after that. 
Naturally, without even thinking about I it. I think we're, uh, yeah, oh yeah, we're... Ooh, we're in there. We're, we're in there. there. We're okay. landing this thing. Hey guys, oh, I appreciate, God, I am appreciate you guys letting me talk. I like it. This was Thanks a for all the heavy. homework. I will say Scott this... Scott did lots of homework. Yeah, I like it. Amazing. This was the most preparation Scott and I have done for an episode, and it's also the most frustrated I've been, which probably means people got something out of it that, you know, I wherever feel you're great. coming from, I know. I feel, I feel really great. Well, I'm glad you felt vindicated <laughs> because, you know, let it... Aaron... Aaron, you shut your mind off right now. Don't ever accuse us of not letting Scott talk again. What? And you know who you is. Well, no, Aaron B. No, you, you're letting me talk because of him. Thank you, Aaron. Well, we've been letting you talk because of him for a long time, but I appreciate it. Aaron, Aaron, send, Only Zach send another message. I love you, Aaron. Aaron. You know that. Aaron, send another message out so I can yeah, talk more. I, I think I we should. Think uh, I, I really got to really, go. I so if you guys really want to talk about what you're consuming, oh, that's fine. Okay. I'll leave. But oh, otherwise, oh. let's let's bounce. Okay. Do you really? You can't stick around for a quick round of what are you consuming? If yeah. it's like five minutes. Do you minutes. have a hard out? Yeah, it was 15 minutes ago. Hard. That's all right. Was it really? Yeah, it's okay. Do you what have do someone you, waiting for you? What are you consuming? No, they're they're well taken care of. Oh. They're probably high right now. You just want to... <laughs> Seeing God. <laughs> I'm waiting to learn what they've learned from God. Okay. <laughs> Talking about I, your family. All right, what, what am I consuming? Am I going first? Yeah. Yep. I'm going, I'm going to Texas this week, hopefully, Lord willing. Um, I say that because my check engine light came on uh, yesterday, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> well, it is a Ford. Well, Chevy, but uh, that too. Shut up, Zach. It's, it's, all, it's a Ford and a Chevy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's your problem. Yeah, yeah. it's a short. Uh, you need to check your engine to see what kind of engine it is. Yeah. Now, but I'm gonna go to Texas for a cup week, two weeks maybe. So that should be good. Driving yeah. out there. Yeah, we're gonna do it there. Oh, you. So driving? if anyone's in Dallas driving. and you wanna, you know. Uh, meet and, and we oh, can, there's a meetup. We there's can a argue. Bros, Bibles, and beer meetup you know? with Scott. In I'll be in Dallas. the Dallas area. I just sent an email. What I don't even know what my email address is. Just brosbiblesbeer um, at gmail.com. We'll make sure that I, Scott gets it. Hey, but also, I, I wrote up like a f- nine page thing on uh, this idea of hallucinogenics in the early church. If you want that email, and, and uh, I'll send it out to you. You know what? We'll put it in the show notes. We'll yeah. put a link to it. We'll put it on the Google Drive. Yeah. Put it on the Google Drive. You can, yeah. Uh, uh, you're cons- but what are you consuming? That's it, what you're doing. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't That's matter. what he's going to. I think you were consuming that the past couple well, days. Well, last night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last night. Uh, Jeff, what are you consuming? Loki. Do you like it? Uh. Yeah. So I felt it's too. over. I'm like whatever. Mischievous. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I started to watch Space Jam last night, and it is. Garbage. Nice. It Thank is God. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. And I fell asleep at nine thirty watching it and I got up and I went to bed. You get uh, listeners, this is what being an adult, like a well balanced adult, is like. Andy here, big fan of LeBron James. I love him so hard. Loves LeBron James. Um being able to say this is garbage. Oh gosh. Mm. I was embarrassed for him. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. But he's the first uh, active billionaire. You know what would make that movie better? Athlete. Yeah, man. First active athlete billionaire. Uh, maybe athlete, yes, but at least in the NBA, yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. What would make that thing better? Good for him. Some drugs. Take some drugs. <laughs> if, uh, Take hey, some drugs. Hey, Le- hey, LeBron. Uh, have you considered 
What the hell are you doing in this movie? Uh, I watched a movie last night called Blue Miracle, and it was it was a good. You already answered. You said Loki. No, I watched it after that to clean my palate. The bylaws say one consummation. All right, I did some hallucinogens, Uh, and then I just woke up. I am diving back into a book that I've had for a while. The Bible, yay! But as books go, I am all over the place. Kingdom, grace, judgment, paradox, outrage, and vindication in the parables of Jesus by Robert Farrar Capone. Um, it's a compilation of his three parabolic. Ugh. Does that work? Parabolic Dude, these subtitles uh, kill me. Document. No, he, not parabolic does not work. Para, he's a para. He para, writes para, paraplegic. Para, para, yeah, para, right. Paraplegic. Okay, big yeah. difference. He wrote three books. He. On the, one me. on the kingdom parables, one on the grace parables, and one on the judgment parables. And this is the book that com- combines all of them. Um, it's fascinating. It's funny. He's got a sense of humor. There's a lot to love and uh, learn from. It's a great book on the parables. Both so, of them. Multiples of them. Just both of them. It's Even Scott would like it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> both of them. This, this book. Parables. Pair, pair wow. I'm so sorry, guys. That's all right. Why? 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 That's, that's, that's Ooh, a Jordan Peterson remix. Like Jordan. So for me, it's just picking one word and repeating it. Yeah. If you could do one word, I got to go back and work well, on it. Well. Where do people find Bros Bible? Uh, back into the Kermit. <laughs> bros Bibles Beer. If you want to email us, Bros Bibles Beer at gmail.com. You can catch us Twitter and the socials and the Instagrams and the Facebooks. All the things. At Bros Bibles Beer. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, anchor.fm slash pod. We haven't gotten a voicemail in a while, and I'm sad about that. I want yeah. a voicemail, listeners. Yeah. I want to hear one. It's been decades. Do we have any feedback? I didn't look, so we'll we'll build it up for next time. Ooh. Gives you a chance, listener. Maybe we did feedback. get a review last episode, so go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, even if it's a shitty one. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It, actually, even better, because last time uh, it was mentioned butthole jokes. Really? That came from our last one. Yep. I, I could see us doing that. Doing butthole jokes? Yeah, unfortunately. I don't remember what the butthole jokes were about. But anyway, Zach is actively leaving. So thanks, everybody. We'll see you next Bye. week. I want to punch Scott in the dick. <laughs> oh.